Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. This is Orlando Magic Daily editor Philip Rossman Reich, and today uh, we did this. We did this last year with with some good friends of ours, and we're happy to have Gavin Eubank of the Mainland because we are about a week. Away, I mean, I think I'll be releasing this on on Sunday or Monday, so we will be within opening week of the MLS season and the second season of Orlando City Soccer. Foot, soccer, soccer club, football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, so I'm joined by uh, Gavin Eubank of the Mainland, a fantastic blog over on SB Nation. Gavin, how are you doing this? This it's a football Saturday. We're recording this on Saturday before the uh, the friendly tonight. I'm doing good. Excited to uh, get to the game tonight. You know, I don't get to watch many games from the stands. Um, this is going to be one of them. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be it should be an interesting night. There's you know people don't seem to know a whole lot uh, about uh, their opponent, but uh, it'll be the first uh, home opportunity at least to to watch watch the team in public. I know they've had a lot of closed door friendlies. They played out up in Jacksonville against the Armada. What's been the, the overall impression of the team and entering the second season? Um, you know, I think it's a little bit more progress than last year. You know, they came in. They came into camp last year with the, uh, a really a new squad. Everyone's trying to figure each other out, trying to figure out what the team's going to be like. And I think we saw a lot of that really unpredictableness last year with you don't really with the youth and the injuries and everything taking its toll. This year, it's they've looked better from the chances that I've seen them play. You know, it's obviously it's preseason and you're still trying to work things out. Early season MLS is never something to brag about that you get to watch, but. You know, I think this team is, it's got the pieces and being a year uh, older and a year more experienced with each other is going to have a big effect. And right now it's, uh, you know, we'll get to see him tonight uh, for the last time. Depends on the kind of lineup that we're going to see. But, you know, right now things are looking pretty good for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, any expansion year I think is, is kind of a, a strange one, um, you know, especially, I mean, even for a team like Orlando City that, that had some holdovers, from the USL Pro Day and essentially got promoted to MLS in, in, in some respects. Uh, I, I know that, you know, there's there's some turmoil or, or whatever you want to call it this offseason, and, and they noted uh, what – that they, 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 they didn't realize there were some things they had to learn from that expansion year. What, what do you think the organization learned from, from their, first, their first year in, in MLS? Um. I think that they learned that the league's a little bit tougher than they expected. You know, everybody, if you remember last year in preseason, everybody was talking about playoffs. You know, Kaká said something about uh, going to the winning a championship. You know, everybody was, we're going to make the playoffs this year. That's our goal. You know, they stuck to it, defy expectations. And it didn't really turn out that way. You know, like I said, the injuries really caught up to them. They had suspensions all over the place, international call ups. I think the team 
they didn't really come in as prepared as they should have been or as prepared as they didn't really know because they had such a young roster, but there's also holes all over the place. I think one of the things they did better, especially with OCB here, is they've cleared up more of that depth. They've got more depth on the roster. They just brought in Antonio Nocherino. I think they're going to be more prepared as an organization to withstand some of the challenges that they're going to face this season uh, as far as trying to get to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and last season was was kind of strange. It was such an such an up and down year. With uh, with you know, they started off pretty strong, and then they pretty much spent what a month and a half, two months without a win, two 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 and a half months without a yeah, win. Yeah, they went through like a that. pretty big drought during the summer there that really killed them. Yeah, and and then and then they finished strong to, to at least sniff the playoffs or get back into the conversation. Uh, you know, there's quite a bit of turnover this this summer. Uh, as far as players, I mean, I think people were surprised to see them part ways with Tally Hall uh, and, and kind of reset their, their goalkeeper uh, their goalkeeper lineup. What was the most surprising thing that they did this summer? Why, 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 did, they, why did they decide to, to kind of hit the reset button on, on, on Tally and, and, and kind of bring in a veteran like Joe Bendick in? Well, uh, it's hard to say. We haven't really heard much on that situation. I think one of the things is that Tally Hall is – as loyal as he was to the fans here, as much as the fans loved him and as, um, as I guess you could say as good as he was last year. Um, his cap hit was substantially high for a guy who just suffered his second knee injury in the span of you know, in just over a year. I think that was a big concern for the fact that they could probably get someone equivalent uh, to him or at least someone equivalent to him for less of the cost. Uh, the club also has a really big belief in Earl Edwards Jr. back there. He showed pretty well. Uh, in the couple games he played last year coming out of the draft, I think they expect him to be the number one for a long time, at least if not ne- this year starting uh, next year and down the road. But, you know, Bendix come in. He's he's looked pretty good this preseason. I think there was a lot of concerns about him. But, you know, as far as what I can see and what everyone else has seen, he's he's going to be uh, a reliable number one option for us this year. That, that, that cap room is, is, is really valuable uh, as Magic fans are, are, are coming to understand kind of heading out of this, this trade deadline. Uh, you know, you mentioned that, you know, there's, you know, we, we talked a little bit about last season. And so before we jump kind of into to what to expect this year, what, what holes did Orlando City need to fill this offseason? And, and who did they get to fill them? Or is it just about guys staying on, staying on the pitch, staying healthy, staying out of, suspen- out of yellow card suspension and card accumulation? Yeah, I think a lot of that, it's what you just said, is staying out of the suspensions, trying to get lucky with the injuries. You know, I think uh, Kevin Molino's return, that alone is practically a huge addition for the team. You know, he only played six or seven or eight games last season. So getting him back is going to be huge. I think they didn't really need to fill that many spots because, like I said, it's a young team. They have uh, guys in positions that are going to be there for hopefully years to come. Um, one of the things I've wanted to see them do and they haven't done yet was get a veteran striker to play behind Kyle Lauren and maybe Brian Rochez. Um, you know, that showed um, that they missed that last year. They were trying to get that Martin Patterson, but he never got healthy and eventually they released him. You know, Lauren went on that big scoring drought in the middle of the summer before he eventually went on the tear and broke the rookie record. You know, they could have really used that last year, except for they kept pushing on Lair and pushing on Lair and hoping he would score. And it's, you know, kind of hard to do that for a guy in his first year playing more minutes than he ever has in a single season. But, um, you know, I think they're, uh, they solved up some depth uh, around the around the field. I would have liked to see them bring in another high-quality center back to play alongside Raylan Collin. They haven't done that. It looks like it's going to be uh, Heinz or Mateos kind of battling for that spot. 
Uh, I mean, they haven't been, uh, I wouldn't say vastly impressive this preseason, but I think they're going to, they're going to be solid options in the back line. Other than that, I mean, they filled up depth. They got a right back, uh, Kevin Alston picked him up in the re-entry draft from New England. I think he's, uh, he's important in providing depth and competition for Rafael Ramos at right back. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see, you know, try to push him for that spot because Ramos uh, showed a lot of promise last season. But one of the things that they need to have him keep in mind is that they can't let his temper get out of control to where yeah. he's getting himself suspended. And hopefully having that uh, competition with him is going to let him know my job's not safe. I can't just do anything and I'm still going to be the starter over next week. So I think they shored up to some spots. You know, like I said, it's going to be a much better season as far as being prepared. And I think they've done enough to keep themselves prepared this year. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's interesting that, that, that you, you phrase it like that. I mean, certainly, you know, it, it felt like as Orlando city built their team last year, that they were, trying to build a team that that could stay afloat and compete for a playoff spot but um also would have young guys because you know it, it you know a lot of a lot of you know the marketing campaign a lot of everything seems to be centered around kaka and i think kaka is a really obviously really important part of this team with with what he cre- can create in the midfield but it seemed like a lot of it was also placed on kaka and on kyle lair and especially the offense um there were just so few goal scorers, it, it, it seemed, and and you know defenses were able to to kind of choke off Kaká and and you know kind of muscle Laren out, like you said, because he's he's a rookie, he's still got a lot to learn too, and um, you know it, it it just it just you know it, having that competition I think is, is really good, and I think uh, having multiple options too, because the MLS season is weird is weird. I mean, I think we're gonna see Kaká. you know, do you, he'll probably get called up for the Brazil national team for for Copa. Do you think or um, it's a possibility. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell right now. You know, maybe maybe being in the U.S. it would help that chance, especially if Neymar decides to skip the Copa America and only play in the Olympics. I mean, it's definitely something to follow. Yeah, and I mean the, the internet. There's international call-ups. I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be games that Breck, that Breck Shea misses, and uh, Kevin Molino will probably miss some games of playing for Trinidad and Tobago. So. You know, you got it in MLS, especially. I think depth. I think you're right. Depth is is really really important. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the offense. Um, in in some respect, in some respects, I mean, I think offense was was something the team really struggled with last year. Uh, just getting a consistent scoring scoring attack, you know, scoring goal scoring goals, finding a variety of ways to score goals. Like, what what has I mean, obviously bringing in Molino helps helps with that but what what has Orlando City done to, to bolster that offense and what what kind of an attack are we going to see this year from them I uh, you know I think it's interesting they haven't brought in much you know we're going to have hopefully a healthy Kevin Molino on the right side is going to do a lot I thought him and Kaká were instrumental in making that offense run early in the season and then when Molino went down Kaká kind of lost his uh, playmaking partner and you started to see him struggle I think that's going to be a huge part is having those two back together on the field. If you watch them play, they link up well together. They they play together as if they've been playing their entire lives together. It's it's really incredible to watch them. Um, I think uh, Antonio Nocerino is going to be a big help. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they line up. Uh, Heath has hinted at running to sort of like the Christmas tree formation, which would be a four three two one with the three defensive midfielders as Nocerino, Darwin Serrano, and Christian Aguita. That would put uh, Molino and Kaká up top, just under Kyle Lair, and those guys would have plenty of room to work together. I think that could work. 
uh, you know, you're gonna have Breck and Ramos, you know, flanking down the sides as they normally do. Um, you know, like you said, they they didn't really have much last season. It was all on Kyle Lair and Kaká didn't score a goal after July 4th. You know, I think that red card at Real Salt Lake kind of was the turning point for his season. He didn't, he wasn't as effective going on there. The wear and tear of MLS is something that probably got to him. I think that's going to be important to watch this year as well. But you know, I think we're going to see a lot of the same. Um, like I've said again, it's the first year team everyone trying to get to know each other it's hard to get those connections i think that'll also be a big important piece um offensively i you know we we i think we'll see more goals this season though definitely yeah and i think kaka said he, he expects himself to score what 14 15 goals this year um, you know at, at media day yesterday or earlier this week um you know it certainly something orlando city needs i mean i think i think last year if anything, they, they showed they can be competitive. They just they just didn't have that last bit of class or or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is to to, to break through. Uh, but you know, M, like I didn't really follow MLS particularly closely. Um, you know, before Orlando City joined, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm the most versed in MLS. But but what struck me about the league as a whole is just it, is the parity of it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really does. You know, it did feel like every team, especially in that Eastern Conference had a shot at at the end of the season maybe not maybe not Philadelphia but every team, <laughs> every team had a shot to win and every game really was a, a complete toss up like is, is that something that you found about this league that that's that's true and and is that something that's that's healthy for uh for, for a league that's still trying to grow and make its name in, in in a crowded american sports sports marketplace i think that's absolutely true and i think the salary cap the way it's structured has limits teams. You know, we see it like in the NFL where, you know, teams will go up and down NBA, not so much as the same. It's not really a mid market league, I guess you could say anymore, but, um, the way, the way that the league is set up is that parity is a major factor because MLS wants to bring in fans that like, you know, you don't want to just support a Chicago fire knowing that they're never going to win. You know, they're going to have that opportunity. I think MLS is so great in that. And I read a, a piece in, I believe, the New York Times a few months ago. People overseas in England love MLS because of the parody, because of the fact that everybody's competitive and that you don't see that around the world in places like England where it's mainly just the top five teams yeah. that have a shot. And you know, you get those places like in Spain where it's really just Real Madrid and Barcelona battling back and forth for the title every year. MLS is, you know, like they say um, – in football, you know, any given Sunday, really any given weekend, any team can come out victorious. You know, get the uh, Orlando City, they didn't win their first home game last year until May. And that came against the defending champion, LA Galaxy, when they blasted them out of the building four to one. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, they, you know, Orlando City's back to being themselves. They're losing games five one, four to one. You know, it's, it's one of those things you just don't know. And that's how, like, you know, the league. It's just so, you know, teams can be so fragile, especially a team like Orlando City where one thing happens, you don't have to kick off for a game and you can you can either be a, the best team on the field or the worst team out there in the league. You know, it's it's tough to say. It's really tough to predict MLS. That's that's for sure. They say you can't predict baseball, but you, MLS is even tougher. Yeah, I, I, it certainly is. And, and that certainly, you know, helps, I think, sell people on the team and, and I and I do think Orlando City has like from from what I've seen and what I've read and uh, on sites like the uh, like like the mainland um it, it certainly feels like they have the talent to to be mm-hmm. a playoff team this year and and to take that step up you know just things have to 
be executed and, and have to, to break their way. Uh, the the you know you, you mentioned the salary cap and and MLS's salary cap is is kind of funky and Orlando mm. City got into a uh, kind of a weird not bidding war isn't the right word but but w- what exactly happened with with this Antonio Nocerino signing and and what kind of impact can he bring because obviously he comes with a pedigree having played for AC Milan with Kaká and, and been with that team for a while. The No Torino stuff, the saga, I guess you could say, is it was kind of weird because essentially in MLS, um, when a team tries to sign a player, you put it in a discovery claim on that player, which is basically calling dibs to having first-rate refusal to sign them. So if Orlando City wanted to go out and sign Messi, they would put in a discovery claim and say, hey, we discovered this guy, which is in itself pretty a dumb rule, I guess you could consider, especially for certain players of certain pedigrees. But uh, DC United held his rights, and Orlando City, through some thoughts of their own, whether they didn't know or they just were playing ignoring the rules, offered uh, Nocherino a contract reportedly that was worth even more than what DC United was paying him. So up until that point, Nocherino was looking like he was going to sign with DC, but when he saw that offer come in from Orlando that was more, it was like, all right, well, I want to go there because they're offering me more money. Um, eventually things played out. Orlando was able to trade for his rights, sign him. I think he's going to have a big impact for the team this season. You know, he's going to, his main position is defensive midfield. The Lions obviously have uh, Darwin Saran, who was one of their best players last season. Christian Aguita, who is a phenomenal young talent, probably going to be sold if not this at some point this season, maybe next season if he has another great year. Um, what, like I said earlier, you know, he is probably he's hinted at playing the 4-3-2-1 where he's going to get all three defensive midfielders on the field. At worst, Nocherino is depth at a lot of key positions because, you know, like you said, Kaká is possibly going to get called up to uh, Brazil at some point this year. He could fill in at the attacking role where Kaká plays. He could play on either the wings, play anywhere in the defensive midfield. He provides support at a lot of key areas to where he's worth the risk of bringing in this guy where you've got talent at these positions where you might have to bench somebody like a Carlos Rivas, but at the same time you're getting that support and depth at those key areas. And he's going to have a, a pretty sizable impact for the team this season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and depth is obviously always a good thing. I think, I think you can never have too much depth. I mean, it, it, causes, Absolutely. it might cause some headaches, but those are good headaches to have. I mean, Exactly. You want to have to make tough decisions and rely on on the man on the manager in this case to uh, to to make the right calls and and to and to you know pretty much leave it to him. So you, you have you have a good scapegoat to blame. Although people people love 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 Heapy, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know I, I think I think what surprised many. I mean maybe not people who followed Orlando City through the USL Pro days, but I think what surprised many was just how much of a response the city had to this team, to this new thing. Um, it, you know, they, they obviously sold out the Citrus Bowl for, for the opening game. They're, they're trying to do it again this year. And it seems like they're, they're inching pretty close to, to the number they want to hit. Uh, they had the, the largest attendance, average attendance for an expansion franchise in MLS history, which, you know, again, like, that's that's really impre- really really impressive. Um, what you know, we knew Orlando was kind of a quiet soccer market, but were you surprised that with the bump up to MLS, that things kind of continued to carry over and expand? And 
and what did what what did you learn about Orlando City a, as a soccer market from that first year? Um, I guess yes and no. I would say I was surprised. Uh, Florida has, you know, especially recently, has always been a big, um, a budding hotbed for soccer down here. You know, they say the soccer capital is South. You know, you can look all over the place, and there's great, you know, high school soccer teams are getting much better, and you're producing players that are all over the place. Um, I think it it was surprising the support that they had year one. I would say, you know. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with being that the, only the Orlando Magic are here in town. So, you know, getting that second professional sports team kind of gets people excited, especially with, the, you know, the Magic haven't been really that great right yeah, now. So yeah. it's like you got a team that's building all this excitement and got these great players and it's, you know, promising to win and everybody's, you know, going to get on board with that. And, you know, the team had good support through USL. They had the championship game in 2011 that drew, you know, t- over 20,000 people. That really kind of put them on the map for Major League Soccer. That said, you know, that's going to be a place that we will, you know, want to go if there's a high interest there. And it's just, it's unbelievable what the sport's been like so far uh, as we had in a year or two. You know, they have, they sold out on season tickets, you know, well long ago. They have a wait list that's got a couple thousand people on it. the stadium bigger. Exactly. They had to they upgrade, you know, added an extra six thousand seats to the new stadium just to accommodate the interest. It's you know, especially last season the plan, as far as I know, was to cap the citrus bowl at about nineteen thousand and they averaged over thirty three you know, close to thirty five thousand, which is incredible, you know, second highest in the league, like you said. It's it's one of those things that just, you know, it's really incredible. It's not all that surprising, I think as far as like a long-term goals, as far as having this happen so early, I think would be a little bit surprising, but it's, it's really fun to watch and see how big this can grow and turn into. Yeah. I mean, and, and what, I mean, it, it, there certainly is uh, still, I still feel like there's, there's still excitement about this team, but w- what are you expecting this year as far as, as far as attendance and, and, and maybe even fan excitement outside of the, outside of the supporters groups? I mean, it, you know, it, 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 you know, you get the newness factor wearing off, and I think they'll have the new stadium next year. So I, I think momentum will still carry over. But uh, what, mm-hmm. what are your expectations for for fan reaction this year? Are fans going to expect maybe a few more wins now, or, or or how you know how do you think this is all going to play out? I think yeah, fans are going to expect that this team's going to make the playoffs this year. I think you know that obviously has a lot to do with whether people show up or not. You know, if the team goes into another skid, you're going to see attendance drop. If they win, more people are going to show up. Obviously. But I think I don't I don't see a drop happening. There's enough support that's still out there that I think we'll see another, you know, second or third highest attendance in the league. People are gonna pack the Citrus Bowl. You know, we talk about the opening day. I think last year there was a big event, you know, the first game, a lot of people they sold out easily. It's gonna be a little bit tougher to do that this year. It's not that um it's not as big of a deal. I mean it's still a big deal to open up and try to sell out the place. But, you know, it's going to be one of those things where people are still going to show up. They're still going to get at least 30,000, 35,000 a game. They've got a good home schedule this year. They've got some good teams coming to town. That'll draw excitement. Um, I don't, I don't see it being a problem No, but it'll, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they try to get that and then transition into the new stadium. However, that will be uh, exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly. It, I, I think it's going to be a really, really exciting season. Um, you know, I, they. I think last year they they didn't play up to their potential. I mean, I think that's that's fair to say in, in a lot of ways and for a lot of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. They may not have. Uh, you know, they. I, like you said, I think they they learned a lot about 
operating within the league and and what they need to do to, to be successful in, in the league. And, and now they just have to try and, you know, play on, play, play on the court. I mean, play on the field. Everything gets, gets determined there. Um, you know, one thing I'm, I'm always interested in, cause you know, I've, I've had, you know, I, I, I'm a season ticket holder. I go to a lot of, a lot of games. Uh, I, you know, was in the supporter section for, for the last few years. And I, I I'm always interested in kind of the, the, the way the way the fans react is is always very interesting to me they seem you know very very kind of flippant about the about the Orlando magic and I, I'm just curious what you know why there's that difference why you know why you know are they not sharing you know kind of the same same audience in, in many ways you know why why the, why the kind of passion that's been brought over to Orlando City hasn't necessarily found its way to the magic and I think some of that has to do with NBA fan culture being completely different. The NBA wants a different kind of fan in, in, exactly. the, way in the way they're marketed, and, and certainly the Magic being bad has not helped th- help matters either. But <laughs> what what do you see, kind of, when looking at the the Orlando sports landscape? You know, how do you see you know Orla- Orlando City fitting in, or not necessarily fitting in, but but you know, how do you see how do you see Orlando City's place in in, in the Orlando sports landscape and and competing for the Orlando sports fans dollar. I think, you know, it's like you said, they, they really attract a lot of different audiences, you know, Orlando city games, you, you know, you've been out there, you know, it's more of like a party You go out there and you, you get loud and, you know, people drink and it's, it turns into a big thing. I don't, I haven't been to an NBA game in a while, so I can't yeah. really compare the two, but it's it's certainly something that when you go to a soccer game, you know you're at an Orlando City soccer game. Uh, you know, even places like the NFL, you don't you don't have that. You know, you have those people, but it's really spread out throughout the stadium, and not certainly like at like with supporter sections where it's all there. Um, I, you know, one thing is, that's important is you know, competing for the dollar. It's it's a lot cheaper to be a season ticket holder for Orlando City than it is for the Orlando Magic. I don't know what the true. prices are. I don't know what the prices are for the Magic. I don't. I know they probably don't even have half of the season ticket holders. I would guess that Orlando City has maybe it's somewhere also, around uh, that. Also, significant, significantly more games. Uh, yeah, the, exactly. Too. So you're you're paying a lot more money to see a lot more games, but you know, it's I, I don't know. It's just tough to say that anything. It's tough to say it's anything but just a completely different culture between the two and going out and enjoying a soccer game and going out yeah. and enjoying a basketball game. Yeah, I mean, there definitely, there definitely is that different culture. Um, can, can like, can, can can the two get along? Like, do you, I mean, like, I I always sensed it, kind of an antipathy uh, between Orlando City, some Orlando City fans, and and Ma- and Magic fans. Like, is is it possible for the two to get along, or is it is is just there just such a huge cultural difference in, in how MLS markets itself, and certainly how Orlando City markets itself, and how the NBA and the Magic market themselves. I mean, I I would think it's possible. You know, I don't I don't know really to what extent they might be able to get it without pushing fans in the other direction. You know, we've seen it happen though. Like, you know, Kakao go out to Magic games, and they'll you know Orlando City players go out there, and vice versa with the you know Victor Oladipo and Aaron. I think Aaron Gordon or uh, know, guys Rock have come out. Yeah, CJ Watson. Yeah, yeah. Games, uh, at the tail end of last season. Yeah, you know, we'll see the the crossovers there, but I mean, I think they can get along. You know, they're gonna be sitting a couple blocks away from each other, so they're gonna have to. You know, we don't want to get all weird there. But 
yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say again until we really see how it plays out in the long term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting. I, I mean, I'm I, I'm happy Orlando City's here. I, I think that um, obviously the the market has grown grown enough to support a, a second major team, and and that's 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 a good thing. What I mean, I, I'd like to get your your thoughts on this. Um, I don't know how. I mean, how long have you been have you been in Orlando? Were you were you born and ra- born and raised here, or like a transplant? I mean. Orlando is a weird sports market because we have a lot of transplants. But um, what what have you seen from Orlando growing as a sports town because of Orlando City or because of you know kind of what Orlando City's brought to to the to the marketplace? I haven't. I actually live in Palm Coast, which okay. is just above Daytona. So gotcha. you know, but I, I do so, follow so you're, the. You're far. You're, you're you're kind of observing from afar in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you could definitely see how um, the Orlando's put uh, Orlando City's put the city on the map as far as terms as like a soccer market as well. You know, they people say that it's going to be. They think that it's going to be bigger than college football there. You know, I think that's going to take some time to get to. Obviously, having the UCF Knights being as bad as they are helps propel that a little bit. But it's um, it's one of those things, you know, people don't really take Major League Soccer seriously as one of the major sports in this country. But I think over time when it gets to that and they're going to see this as not just the one professional team town with the Magic, but a, a two team town with Orlando City as well. It's going to it's going to bring in a lot more outside interest, I think, from other sports really to kind of try to branch their roots here to see, well, if these guys can do it, so can we, you know, and hopefully grow that stuff you know grow that uh sports culture here as well i would love to see that happen you know i always joke you know maybe let's get the uh florida panthers bring them up to orlando they're not doing too well down there in south florida see what they can do up here yeah no and and, and it's funny you mentioned hockey I've, I've done some stuff with the solar bears solar bears this year i'm sure my phone's about to go off now too uh but uh the the the, the solar bears you know they've they've had a lot of success, more success than you would think for a minor league hockey team in, in Florida. Um, I think mm-hmm. they're third. They're still third in attendance in, in the ECHL, and you know they've they've traded traded a lot on nostalgia with the old Solar Bears team. But you know they they I mean when they're playing well, they produce a really not really good product, and, and they're they're a lot of fun to go to. And, and there there seems to be a lot more options within the city, and, and I think that's yeah that's a good thing. And and it seems like events want to come to. Orlando and hold their hold their events here. I mean, we'll we'll have exactly. uh, we'll have Florida State spring practice coming in April. Um, it's it's really starting to sound like WrestleMania will be making another trip back to the Citrus Bowl um, mm-hmm. very very soon. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll it, whether you consider that a sport or not, we'll, we'll, that's a debate for another day. Uh, Isn't but, uh, FSU Alabama playing a game at uh, the Citrus Bowl years Al- or something? Uh, FSU's playing Ole Miss uh, mm-hmm. in the kickoff classic on Labor Day, and then Alabama's going to play. Louisville in two years or next year. Oh, okay. And then Florida Miami is apparently going to be uh, oh, yeah. having a kickoff game in 2018, if I'm not mistaken, 2018 or 2019. Oh, um, that's exciting. They way out in advance, but yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean it, the city, the city invested in that infrastructure, and and now they're beginning to provide a lot for for residents in the area, and uh, a lot of oppor- lot of opportunities and a lot of growth, and, and I think Orlando City was a was a big part of that and I, I mean I think Phil Rollins made a really or yeah Phil Rollins I think made a really smart decision in, in picking this market and it took off and then was really well managed and uh, 
it's it's added a lot to the city. I think it's it's certainly kept the magic on their toes a little bit from a marketing standpoint uh, in, in many ways, uh, and and helped them refresh some ideas. But it's also uh, energized, I think, the whole community in, in a lot of ways, and, and that's 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 a really really good thing. And I think you can feel that every time you walk walk into the stadium, and, and it's obviously reached pretty pretty far pretty far up the coast too. Um, if if it's if it's hit hitting you up in, in Palm Palm Coast. Uh, so you know, I don't know if you've you've posted this on on the mainland yet, or if it's coming this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do, does Orlando City make the playoffs? What what will happen this season with with the Lions? Gavin, you there? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. No, Needed my no mic. Worries. No, no, no worries. Dog started barking. No worries. Uh, I, I, I put I put I put you on the spot there. So, uh, what what happens with Orlando City this year? Do they make the playoffs? I think they do. You know, they came close last year. All things considered, they're a good team. They've uh, they've improved. I would say definitely coming into this year, it's going to be as long as they can stay lucky with the injuries and the suspensions. It's going to be. I think they can get into the playoffs easily as a fourth seed at the very worst. Um, that's 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 short and sweet. You know, I'll, uh, I'm certainly excited to see what they can do and and uh, see if uh, see if they can uh, defy expectations, if you will, and and uh, get you know take that first big step as a, as a franchise. I mean, there's you know I, I remember the first time the Magic went to the playoffs, and it was quite the experience um, for for an expansion franchise to to get in for the first time. So uh, uh, with that, uh, I, I think I think we covered the team decently well there uh everyone be sure to check out gavin's work over at the mainland gavin uh tell tell everyone where they can find you on on twitter and 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 what 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 you have going on as, as the season gets ready to start this weekend uh you can find me on twitter over at gavin eubank um all all simple to spell uh we got plenty of stuff coming up with the mainland this week the big previews and round tables going on all week it's going to be pretty exciting as we approach kickoff and, and be sure to follow the mainland all season. Um, by by my eye, probably probably the best best Orlando City blog out there. There's there's a lot of really good ones, and, and the mainland does a, a very very good job. I'm happy happy to have you on, Gavin. Thanks for taking the time to to, to talk to me today a little bit about Orlando City. Thank you to all the Magic fans for listening. Uh, I know not everyone that 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 follows me uh, a follows soccer and b. Uh, lives in Orlando, uh, so thanks for for indulging me there and uh, getting to learn, getting to know a little bit about the other the other bit the other major team in town. Ha- happy to help help out and happy to uh, to follow those guys and, and be abreast of what's going on in the going on in the city. Uh, so Gavin, thanks thanks again for joining for joining us here on the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. Uh, we'll have to do this again uh, maybe sometime during the season uh, to do a little do a little checkup. That'd be great. Thanks for having me, and you know, best of luck to the Magic this year as well as they finish off strong. Yeah. They're going to need it. (laughs) (laughs) Many thanks to Gavin for joining us here on the podcast. I apologize. I've noticed when I do my Skype recordings that uh, the recording comes back a little funny. It seems like I'm only coming in through one ear, like a mono track, not a a dual track. Uh, When I record on GarageBand like I am now, uh, it it does come in full. So uh, for the next next one, I will uh, definitely be trying to... To, to figure out the audio problems, thank you all for, for bearing with me. I hope the, the sound quality isn't too bad. But before we close out the podcast, I do want to talk a little bit about the Magic and, and where they're at to, to, to reward all of you who 
who you know maybe aren't as interested in Orlando City as I am or as, as people within the city of Orlando are, uh, to reward you with some magic talk. And you know, the Orlando Magic are in a very interesting place right now. They're sitting, I think, four games back of the Detroit Pistons for the final spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So the, the playoff dreams are not lost at all. Uh, when the Magic came out of the All-Star break, they, they had 30 games left, so obviously fewer now, but they had 30 games left, and, and Scott Skiles set a goal for them to go 20-10, and 10, and he thinks 18-20 to 20 wins would really get them into the playoff uh, conversation again and, and get them uh, into into the postseason, pretty much. Uh, and so that's certainly a goal that the Magic have and certainly one that they should reach for. I know there's been a lot of people who've been discouraged by, by the Magic's play of late and, and certainly discouraged uh, by the way things have gone since the, since the calendar year turned to 2016. Uh, but there's still a lot to play for. This isn't a time to pack in the season. This isn't a time to necessarily play Mario Hazonia 35 minutes just to see what he can do. Um, this is still a team that has to learn how to win, and every game is a learning opportunity. And, and so even when the Magic are eliminated from the playoffs, I don't think we'll see the Magic go into a, a, a tank mode, so to speak. We might see Hazonia's minutes bump up just a little bit. Um, to, to accommodate for that, to, to, to get him more opportunity. But for the most part, I think this is a team that's going to be trying to win till the very end. Remember, at the beginning of the season, the goal was not was, was to make the playoffs. The players said it, the coaches said it, everyone should say the goal was to make the playoffs. But I think the more realistic expectation was for the team to be in the playoff conversation and to play meaningful games into March, into April. Well, we're here on February 29th. Uh, I'll be releasing this now on Monday, on Monday, February 29th, sometime in the afternoon. But we're entering March, and the match are still playing relevant games. Uh, they'll be, you know, I, I always say that the December road trip is when we really figure out who this team is, and and usually they go on a road trip again in January and then again in March. The Magic will have that big March road trip next week uh, as they head out to Golden State. They play the Lakers in Los Angeles. They play Portland, and then uh, they play Sacramento as well, and that'll be the, the four-game road trip next week. And obviously it's a very, very, very big road trip. Uh, there, there are some opportunities for some wins, uh, the Lakers obviously struggling a lot. Sacramento's struggling a little bit. Portland's a good team. You know, there's an opportunity to come ho- to, to to get some wins out west, um, but the Magic have to do it too. And and they've proven through the last month, month and a half, that you know every game is is a toss up. Uh, you know, I, I pulled the stat out, um, or I saw the stat and, and put it in a post from Seth Partnow of Nylon Calculus. The Magic have played more games within. 10 points, more minutes within 10 points of any team in the league. Um, this was through February 23rd, so maybe it changed with the New York game. Maybe it changed with the Philadelphia, with the second Philadelphia game. Um, they've played, they, but essentially, they've played more games within 10, more minutes within 10 points of any team in the league, virtually every team in the league. They play a lot of close games, and the struggle this year has been finishing those close games and winning those close games, but the one thing you can say about this Magic team is that they have the opportunity to win those games. They have the opportunity to play tight games and the opportunity to win. And I don't think that's going to go anywhere. I think the Magic are in it for the long haul on that sense in that they're going to play a lot of close games this year. They're going to have those opportunities to win games. Now, they can come back and bite them as we saw Sunday night. Um, I'll, I'll recap that a little bit since it's the latest game. Uh, the Orlando Magic defeating the Philadelphia 76ers 130-116, to showing all that nice offensive potential. You know, yeah, it's against Philadelphia, but it still takes work to build a 29-point lead, uh, and certainly it takes work to lose that as well. And, and the Magic are still, you know, you can always kind of sense 
um, that that leads are a little uneasy with the magic, and and that's something that has to change. That and it's 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 really just a confidence thing at this at this point. It's a confidence and trust in what they're running, a confidence and a trust in in each other, and, and a confidence and and a trust together as as a group. Um, the the magic just haven't quite gotten over the hump. They've they've had enough bad beats this year, where you can tell they get tight. You can you can see it. You can really see it. I mean, I think. Um, you know, I asked Gascals a little bit about the the press that Philadelphia said, and he, and he said, you know, it just kind of sapped our our speed and our thrust. Um, you know, Elford, everyone was kind of waiting for Elford to bring the ball up instead of, you know, forcing them out of the press because essentially Philadelphia did that to slow the Magic down, get them into the offense a little bit later, and then rely on them to to take bad shots. I mean, Philadelphia is not a good enough team necessarily. I mean, Philadelphia played two fantastic offensive games and couldn't beat the Magic. I mean, it's it's more concerning to me, frankly, that the Magic gave up. Uh, 110 points, or gave up 100 points twice in one week to the Philadelphia 76ers than anything else. They were both wins, though, and that's ultimately what matters. Um, you know, the Magic just just don't quite have that killer instinct yet, and I'm not sure if it's something that's innate or something that's learned. Um, certainly this year, uh, you can sense that they expect the worst to happen, or the people who want to change it just, just aren't quite there yet, um, whether it's whether it's Nikola Vucevic, whether it's Victor Oladipo, uh, whether it's Alfred Payton, who I thought did a good job closing the game out last night. I think he scored seven points, seven of his 11 points in the final three minutes um, of that game, really put the game away, closed the door on any thoughts of Philly, making it all the way back, and, and, and preserved the win. Uh, so, you know, the Magic, they, they, they have some things, you know, they're they're, they're not a bad team by any stretch. They certainly have their bad moments. Um, New York on Friday was a bad moment. Um, the, the fourth quarter against Golden State was a bad moment in many ways after the way I thought they played pretty well. Um, defensively, though, they've got to tighten up. Um, it's been a story throughout the year. Scott Skiles is a defensive coach. They've proven they can be a top-10 defensive team when they want to be. Uh, for whatever reason right now, they're just not getting there. They're not, whatever whether it's trusting each other, whether it's you know trusting the, the scheme, trusting the game plan. Uh, whatever it is, they're they're just not quite getting it, and and that's that's got to change. If the Magic want to make the playoffs, and this was said repeatedly, I'll be writing a, a quick post on this for Tuesday. I hope um, that whatever the whatever the problem is, the Magic have to play defense to win. It's 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 plain and simple. It's clear, you know, no beating around the bush to win with this team with the margin for error as small as it is. The Magic have to play defense, and without that, they're not going anywhere. Without that, they're going to stay about a 500 team, stay about four or five games out of the playoff spot. Now, you know, we've we've hit a point in the season where we can reflect a little bit on where the team is going. Uh, we we the trade deadline's passed. Uh, we obviously I obviously talked about it with with Zach Oliver uh, on the trade deadline special. You can go check that out on the iTunes feed as well as on YouTube as part of Orlando Magic Live, uh, and the Magic have clearly pushed some chips into the pot. They're, they're clearly going to go for it this summer, and so there are questions about the future that need to be answered. But as far as the progress of the team, um, you know, they've, they've taken steps forward. I mean, you know, sitting at 26-32 and 32, um, is not bad for this team overall. Now, certainly with the way the season has gone, it's certainly been a little bit more frustrating and, and a little bit um, roundabout maybe the way that, that the Magic got here. But uh, certainly they're, they're, where, they're, they're about where I think – we expected them to be in October. Um, certainly there's room for growth. Um, certainly some questions have been answered about the long-term implications of, of this organization and this franchise and, and where the team might have to head 
next uh, next with with their group. Uh, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to me uh, on my call with Gavin uh, as as I close it out um, with him on the on Skype. And uh, thanks everyone for for listening again and and sitting through some Orlando City talk. Thanks, thanks again to, to Gavin. Uh, this has been uh, Philip Rossman Reich of Orlando Magic Daily. Thank you all for listening to the Orlando Magic Daily podcast. Uh, of course, you can find us on iTunes. We're now on the Hardwood Paroxysm Basketball Network uh, podcast. And, and uh, leave us a rating. You know, do do whatever. Do whatever. It's all, it's all good. There's multiple ways to listen to us and follow us. Uh, you can always follow me at O Magic Daily. Uh, the Magic are we're always in action. They're they're getting ready to head out to the West Coast for their for their last big trip and. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully, as Gavin said, finish the season strong. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll need every win they can get on the way. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Napa Know How. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17